Well, we want to begin a Torah study today, and I want to open that Torah study with a prayer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Let's start this morning by looking at some scriptures in Leviticus chapter 10 from this week's Torah portion. We're reading in Leviticus 10 about strange fire that two sons of Aaron offered up to the Lord, and that strange fire proved to be very dangerous. It cost those two sons their lives. Now, those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, I want to encourage you to uh, use the comment section to participate. You can do that uh, by putting in the scripture references or even pull quotes from what we're talking about or even the um, passages. You can copy and paste passages from the scriptures uh, like this one we're about to read, Leviticus 10 verses one and two. And when you do that, the other people who are on Facebook and watching live and those who will watch later will get reinforcement. They'll see uh, the scriptures for themselves. And I just want to encourage you and thank you for all of those who do that and have made that a habit. Leviticus 10, starting in verse one. Nadav and Avihu, sons of Aaron, Aharon, each took his censer, that's the ornamental incense burner, they put fire in it, they laid incense on it, and they offered strange fire or unauthorized fire before Adonai, something neither the Lord nor Moses had commanded them to do. Verse 2, at that moment, fire came down from the presence of the Lord and consumed Nadav and Avihu so that they died there in the presence of the Lord. The Hebrew uses a particular phrase, Eish Zara. It means strange fire or unauthorized fire, strange in the sense of being foreign or strange in the sense of being uh, something unfamiliar and not, um, not acceptable within the community or the household. Now, a few verses later, there's an additional instruction that's given to Aaron about alcoholic beverages in ministry. It's connected to all of this. Leviticus 10, starting in verse 8 and going to verse 9, it says, The Lord said to Aaron, Don't drink any wine or other intoxicating liquor, neither you nor your sons with you, when you enter the tent of meeting so that you will not die. Now, this is not a prohibition against all alcohol at all times, but it's a warning that when you're ministering, don't be drinking wine or intoxicating liquor for a particular reason. And it explains that um, because you've got to be able to discern between what's right and what's wrong, what's clean, what's unclean, what's godly and what's not. No drinking wine or intoxicating liquor when you're ministering. Not, not a Purim as some Hasidic rabbis will drink alcohol, even getting drunk during their Purim celebration or on Arab Shabbat. That's become quite a problem uh, over the years in, uh, in that part of the Jewish world, but it's not our way. So this is a lesson about boundaries, about how even the priests of Israel had to show respect for boundaries. 
Now, some personal background. My family, the Levines, are from the tribe of Levi or Levi, like Moses and Aaron. And we are Levites. We're not Kohanim. We're just Levites. My Hebrew name is David ben Beryl Halevi, David, son of Beryl the Levite. So for me, this story about Nadav and Avihu feels like part of my family history. Granted, not the best part, but a part nevertheless. And it helps me set boundaries for myself. I I don't want to get in trouble with the Lord the way Nadav and Avihu did. I'm sure none of you do either. And there's some other details to the story, how Aaron saw his two sons die. And then he kept serving the Lord. For me, it's really hard to imagine how difficult that was for him at so many different levels. And then Aaron was told not to drink wine or other intoxicating drinks before he was serving in ministry. It's all very sobering, if you know what I mean. Aaron is told he needs to be able to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the clean and the unclean, so that he can teach the people Israel. You see, our minds need to be shaped by what is good and honorable and pleasing to God. We can't just um, teach what pops into our mind and is our personal opinion. We have to be very careful. Now, it doesn't mean we can't be personal. We can. We can tell stories. I love to tell stories. That's not it. We have to be careful not to allow our judgment to be clouded. And that's the warning that Aaron is given. You've got to be able to teach. You've got to be able to distinguish between what's holy, what's common, what's clean and unclean. You can't teach the people Israel. So we each have to learn this. We each have to learn something about being able to distinguish between, for instance, what's popular and what's godly. And I know that in your life, you face choices like that. I want to encourage you, choose well. Don't be pulled into popular opinion. Don't just go the way the world is going. Make those decisions to feed your heart, to feed your mind, to feed your soul from the scriptures, which open up to us the the ways of God and the heart of God. Now, what Aaron went through reminds me of something very basic, but so powerful that serving the Lord can be difficult. In in fact, the life of faith has borders and boundaries. The faithful life can be very demanding. The life of service and ministry can be complicated. And just when you think you've got it simplified, everything gets complicated. It's important for all of us to know that life can be hard. It's important for us to know it and to recognize it and to be able to verify it. Most of us can verify that life is difficult. We know that from experience. We know it, but sometimes we forget it or we think that other people's lives should be simple. Of course, our life is difficult, but their life should be simple. And it causes us not to understand the reality of life. Life is difficult for everyone. And knowing this, that life is complicated, it can actually be useful to us because it can build in us empathy and compassion so that, and this is so important, I hope you really grasp this, so that we 
can be empathetic and compassionate towards others who are suffering. You see, this is so very important. You can take the experiences of difficulty that you've had and use them for redemptive purposes. You can use them to build up your sense of empathy and your sense of compassion so that when people around you are going through difficulty, you will be able to give them true mercy and real love with understanding. Remember this basic principle, you cannot give to other people what you don't have yourself. If you don't have it, you can't give it away. So if we go through difficulty and we use it to build up our own empathy and our own compassion for others, then we can freely give it to other people. Our experience of life's difficulties can actually help us serve other people. In fact, it helped Yeshua to experience the challenges of our human life. And if we really want to be messianic, we want to be like him. So let's take a look at several scriptures about Yeshua. And the first one is in the book of Hebrews, or the, um, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 17. And when it says Hebrews, what it means is Jewish believers, or you could say Messianic Jews, if you want to use a contemporary expression. But it applies to all of us. It helps us understand something because it's helping us to understand who Yeshua was and the roles that he played and the character that he had, the nature that he had. So, so let's read this. Hebrews 2, verse 17. Therefore, he, Yeshua, had to be made like his brothers in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest, a Kohen Hagadol, in things pertaining to God, to make as some old translations say in English, propitiation. That's a, that's a word you're not going to use every day. Let's use a more familiar Hebrew word, kapoor, an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people. You see, the scriptures in the New Testament are built upon the reality of the scriptures in the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. And they're making connections because you really can't understand Yeshua fully unless you grasp the scriptures and what they teach. Now, I think it's so powerful to connect the Torah portion with the writings of the apostles, the writings of the Brit HaKadoshah, because that connection is essential. Now, some people uh, don't do that. They think that the New Testament scriptures are the only thing that matters. And the fact is, that's not the testimony of the New Testament scriptures. They say that the Tanakh is inspired by God and will make you wise uh, regarding salvation. And the whole promise, the prophetic promise of Messiah is in the Tanakh. So we need to connect it. We can keep our eyes on Yeshua and connect the scriptures. That's one of the unique contributions that we as Messianic uh, believers can make to the understanding of the scriptures, both the Tanakh and the Brit HaKadoshah, the writings of the, uh, the New Testament. Yeshua, this passage says, had to be made like his brothers in all things in order to become a merciful 
and a faithful high priest. He had to become like us because of the mission that he had to be a kinsman redeemer. I'll talk about that in just a moment. And he became a kippur, a sacrifice that brought atonement for the sins of the people. Now, the prophets of Israel speak to this as well. Isaiah 63 verse 9 is a passage we want to look at together. So if you can put that in the comment section, Isaiah 63 verse 9. And Isaiah, the esteemed prophet of Israel, is speaking about the Messiah to come. And he says this, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them. And he lifted them and he carried them all the days of old. So this is the testimony, not of uh, an apostle from the New Testament, but of a prophet of Israel. And it's part of the prophetic scriptures accepted by all of Israel. In their affliction, he was afflicted. You see, it's so important to grasp this, that Messiah suffered with us and on our behalf, and he redeemed us. He he bought us out of a kind of slavery. He paid the price for our freedom. And what was motivating him? Isaiah says, love and mercy. That is so important for us. Let's go back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15. You can put that in the comment section. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a Kohen Hagadol, a high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, and yet he was without sin. And let's rephrase that to be perfectly clear. We do have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. You see, this is such an important detail. Messiah is Goel. He is a redeemer, but not just a generic redeemer or any kind of redeemer. Uh, He's a kinsman redeemer. He's a member of the family who rescues. And the kinsman redeemer rescues his mishpocha who have fallen into difficulty that they cannot get out of themselves. He became one of us in order to save us as a kinsman redeemer. This is a key to understanding Yeshua the Messiah. And it's also a key to understanding the whole idea that God would come down from heaven and take on a human body and become like us because he was becoming one of us. He was still God, but now he was in a body. Why did he do this? It was necessary in order to do it as a kinsman redeemer. And it was necessary so that he could experience what you and I experience. He can sympathize. He is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows our struggles. He knows how difficult and challenging 
our lives can be. And he knows it from experience, not from far off and not just abstractly, but he knows it by experiencing human life in all of its troubles and all of its complications and all of its difficulties. Our God is not indifferent. He's not unmoved. He is stirred when, when we're troubled. We can run to him. We can come to him in our difficulty. We don't have to deny our troubles. In fact, going back to that passage in um, this week's Torah portion, it really takes us behind the scenes to see what Aaron was going through what Moses was going through and their difficulty and their challenge. It, it showed us what their whole family was going through. It wasn't easy. And some people perhaps at the time couldn't understand what was happening, but the scriptures record what was happening with an informed perspective so that you and I can be informed. You and I can know in our hearts. And I don't know about you, but it helps me. When I go through difficulty, and I have, and I know the same for you, you've, you've gone through difficulty. I think all of us can verify it. We can all confirm this. In, in fact, if you can confirm that life is complicated, I encourage you, put that in the comment section. Life is complicated. Life is hard. But we're not alone. He's with us. We're not alone. He is experiencing with us. He's suffering with us. He's not detached. He's suffering. He's experiencing. He knows what our losses are like. He knows what it's like to mourn and to cry. He knows what it's like to experience rejection and trouble of different kinds, being misunderstood. He knows. And he shows us his love and his mercy. He's not indifferent to us. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua so that we can keep learning to be more and more like him and learn to serve in a way that brings his light and his goodness into this broken world. Oh, for sure, it's terribly broken and the world needs us and the goodness of the Lord being expressed in so many ways. Would you join me in praying right now? Thank you, Lord, for your love and for your empathy. Thank you, Lord, for your sympathy and for your compassion and for your mercy. Would you help us, Lord, to grow in these qualities so that our service to others would reveal your goodness? Lord, use us to bring your light and your goodness into this broken world. Strengthen us, fortify us, renew in us, Lord, so that we would love being with you, we would love being like you, and doing what is good and is pleasing to you. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to be closing with Aaron's blessing, but I want to speak to everyone who is in synagogue or those who are podcast listeners or watching live stream, either live on Facebook or YouTube, or you're watching um, later 
at, at your own pace, would you consider standing with us financially? If, if this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast, or our sanctuary services at Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry financially? All the information is on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving. We want to close right now with Aaron's blessing. Everyone in the synagogue, you can stand up. Um, and those of you who are at home, just just receive this blessing. We're called to bless and to put the name of God on the children of Israel. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord give favor to you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he protect you in every way. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So I just want to say a final word. I was a little bit nervous this weekend getting ready, knowing that I would be live and that it's been a long time. But thank you all so much for your graciousness. Thank you for your support, for your love, for your faithfulness, your steadfastness. Thank you for your commitment to the congregation and to us. It really means so much to us, and we really appreciate you. From Sandy and from me, from the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us today. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.